Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Welcome, I'm Matt Silver, one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Whether you're joining us via Facebook, YouTube, website, or podcast, thanks for investing your time with us. Well, if you're watching us at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, I would love for you to participate in the chat and answer this question. Did you ever play a team sport? Go ahead and list the sport you played and how long you played it. I have never been on a sports team. I enjoyed playing pickup games growing up. I would do this individual sport called skateboarding. But growing up, I was never involved in organized sports. My mom, she thought they were too dangerous. I think it may have been more of an inconvenience or some kind of social anxiety thing because I'm not sure dangerous would have made sense. You know, I grew up on a farm in West Virginia and I was riding horses, hunting by myself, using power tools, driving motorcycles and tractors, all before I hit double digits. But the closest thing that happened to me involved in sports would have been the Hershey's National Track and Field event. You ever heard of that? It was a national event where elementary age kids would race and do all kinds of track and field events against one another. And I got to do the four by 100 meter race in fifth grade. The team was chosen by lining all of us up on the playground during a lunchtime and having us do a foot race. Of my grade, I was the fifth fastest kid and because one of the kids couldn't make it, that particular day for the Hershey's National Track and Field, I was an alternate, so I got to go and compete. We never practiced, we never trained, we were just told when to show up, which Saturday and at which high school we would go and run against other schools. What was cool about the event was that we won the county. We then came back, I think a week or two later, we won the regional event. And a few weeks later, we were heading to compete against eight other teams for the state title. The fastest teams there had an opportunity to compete nationally. Well, I couldn't believe our team could go off and do something so cool. It was time to get serious. I talked my mom into buying me new shoes from JCPenney's. Yes, JCPenney's. Before there was Foot Locker, there was a JCPenney shoe wall. We had been racing on gravel track, so I convinced my mom that I needed shoes that had better traction. So I said, give me some turf shoes, please. And she obliged. I knew they were going to be a bit heavier, but I knew the traction would make up all the difference. I also knew I needed something to look cool and maybe even bring me some luck. So being an 80s kid, I had one of these cool gold necklaces. Anyone have one of those? Well, by now I was pumped to run. Shoes, cool necklace, and I was ready to go. I hadn't seen my teammates in a month and we loaded up in this van and it was still dark time morning and we drove about four hours to get a buck can in West Virginia. Happened to be the furthest road trip I had ever taken up to this point. And we made our way to the track. We saw all the other competitors and immediately, I knew we were completely out of our league. To my dismay, the track, it wasn't gravel, it was paved. The other teams actually had uniforms. We didn't even coordinate the color of our t-shirts while we were there. And they were communicating with each other. They actually acted like friends. They were stretching together. They were extra serious. Two of the people on my team that I had only met through this running competition, we had never hung out before. They were total strangers to me. We literally sat there watching them and thought, what are we gonna do now? So we began stretching and doing the same thing we saw them do. 
when it was time to begin the race, I was chosen for the first leg of the 4x100 later relay. I never ran that position before, and I was lane two of eight lanes. Six people were in front of me, and my job was to catch them and pass them. When the gunshot went off, I gave it everything I had, but I didn't not only catch up to the outside lanes, I was passed by the two inside lanes. By the time I reached Mark with the baton, we were in dead last. Well, Mark and the other guys, they ran as hard as they could, but we ended up taking sixth place. After the race, we huddled up together and I said, guys, I am so sorry. I felt like I could barely run. Mark looked at me and said, it looked like you couldn't. Isn't that awful? I knew it was right. My performance was rough. My turf shoes and cool necklaces didn't quite do it for me. I remember that summer, it was one of those particularly really hot summers and I didn't happen to run at all. The only thing that I thought about running was on those three race days that we had. I wasn't around anyone who actually cared about running. And to my surprise, I cost a team, maybe not a victory, but a place. I couldn't help but wonder if we, if we, what would happen if we would have actually trained together. What could have happened? I mean, it's almost laughable, isn't it? That we never trained and we competed at a state level against other teams. We did nothing more than show up, race together, do our own thing, and then head back home. We never discussed any kind of running or training plan to do on our own. No talks of nutrition, what to eat or not to eat. We were elementary kids for growing out loud. Every stop we had along the road equaled more soda and candy. Well, I believe there are a lot of parallels between my fifth grade race and our spiritual lives. Last week's text was found in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, 24 to 27, and it read, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They did it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, last week's focus, the big idea, was that in order to grow spiritually, we need to train rather than try hard. Rather than showing up on race day and hoping for the best, there are practices, disciplines, that if done consistently, will naturally result in growth and enhanced performance. Well, this week, we're focusing on our need to be part of a team. Our big idea today is, if you want to be more godly, you need to engage with godly people. I'll say it again, if we want to be more godly, we need to engage with godly people. Now, before you stop listening, give me a second to unpack that statement. More godly does not mean more religious. Last week, we shared that the measuring stick for growth isn't a bunch of religious activities, but rather it's a list of attitudes like those written by Paul in Galatians 5.22. There he says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The goal of this series is to help you and me define what it means to be godly which ultimately means to live as if Jesus were in our place. This kind of thinking requires a change in our orientation and our thought processes. If someone were to ask you, how are you doing spiritually? Oftentimes our response is associated with behaviors that we could consider spiritual. Things like praying, or reading the Bible, watching church services, serving, giving. But the true test of our spiritual life isn't based on doing religious things. In fact, we keep saying this quote, spirituality wrongly understood or pursued is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God. 
In other words, we can do a whole lot of religious stuff and end up hating God and hating other people more. When we think spirituality is all about doing things, do this, do this, all you end up with is a bunch of doo-doo. And that, my friends, is not a joyful experience at all. Spirituality isn't an area of life, a compartment we maintain. No, there isn't a part of our existence that is void of spirituality. When someone asks, how are you doing spiritually? We should be processing this question through the lens of, am I loving God and others well? This is to be joyfully understood and pursued, not begrudgingly forced. This is about living our best life. This series is taking a dive into five G's, and each G is a framework that embraces five key areas of the Christian life. We're reading through the book Fully Devoted, and if you'd like to get your own copy, let us know by going to experiencecc.org freshstart, and we'll make it happen. The first G we explored was grace. Grace is an unmerited gift from God. Grace isn't earned, it's not deserved, and it's a gift that we only have to choose to accept and receive. Grace is how we're accepted by God, and God's grace is what allows us to change and be more like Him. Last week, we talked about growth. And the big idea last week, again, was that we really grow spiritually, not by trying hard, but rather we train. We take on these habits that allow us to do more than we thought we could ever possibly do. So again, this week, we're looking at groups. Groups in our context are gatherings of people committed to the spiritual growth of one another. How does that sound? Is that exciting or what? How does it make you feel inviting others into the pursuit of a spiritual life? My guess is not good. In fact, it may feel really awkward and you may hate this concept more than any other that we face. After all, isn't God and religion on the list of things that we're never supposed to talk about with other people? Take your time, Google things not to talk about with others. In the top five, it's right up there. Number one's politics, surprise, surprise. Number two is religion, number three is finances, number four is health, and number five was family relationship issues. 2020 was all of that and then some, right? No wonder we're falling apart. Don't we have enough drama without talking about our faith with other people? Do we really want to get together with a group of them and talk about Jesus, our connections, our beliefs, our doubts, our frustrations? Yes, I think we do. Here's what I know. If we want to be more godly, we need to engage with godly people. Engaging with other people that are also interested in becoming more like God. Notice I say engaging with not merely hanging out with them. For clarity, this is much more than attending a church service. This is engaging with other people life on life, sharing in one another's everyday life. This isn't about showing up on Sunday, aka Hershey National Track and Field Day, putting on your nice shoes, your cool necklace, smiling and pretending that life is perfect. No, it's about having a real life and getting to know other people, letting them know how you're doing, how you're really doing, and inviting them in to do life with you. This is not how many of us were taught to think about church. Isn't church just a place you go? You go there and pretend like you have it all together, you get a little shot in the arm, a dose of encouragement, and then you move on about your day? I don't want to downplay the Sunday experience. However, I want to be clear that you're never going to be known and be able to live out Christian community an hour on Sunday. In the New Testament, aka the library of books in the back half of your Bible, that both introduce Jesus and gives us instruction on how to live our lives, there are a hundred uses of the phrase one another, and they spell out how followers of Jesus are supposed to treat each other, how to engage with one another. And we're not going to go through all of them this week, but I want you to Google at some point. Google the one another's, and you're going to find a list of beautiful statements in there like, love one another, 
Live in harmony with one another, accept one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, teach one another, encourage one another. And it's an incredible list. I just grabbed 10 of them. And this feels possible to do for an hour on Sunday. Without engagement, there's no meaningful depth in those statements. You know, many folks are looking for a church experience where they can come in, smile, shake some hands, fist bumps, maybe some elbows, say that they're doing well, and then head back home. No need to get too messy. It's making church an area of life, not the centerpiece of their life. You know, we might think, let's have some coworkers. We'll keep them over here, this portion of our life. We have our neighbors here. We have family here, some social groups. And then church people, we'll just tuck over here. If I can keep them all separated, that's a better life. In fact, I know how to act in each one of those spaces. At work, I'm going to be like this kind of person. At church, I'm going to be this kind of person. With my family life, I can let my hair down a little bit and be this way. But is that how it should be? You know, at work, maybe that's you. You're super focused. You're energetic. You're productive. You have great ideas. You're funny. But then you come home, and there you're tired. You're exhausted. You're a dud. In fact, if your kids got a chance to see you thrive at work, they might not even recognize you. This is how I felt for years as a youth pastor. I would lead these games for middle school and high school kids, talk to them for hours, and I'd come home, and I would be wiped. I couldn't play a game with my own kids. Maybe the opposite is true for you. You're alive at home, but when you get dressed and you go to work, you just feel like you're putting on this weighted blanket, and you just feel like life is game over. Maybe for you it's at school. Maybe it's around your parents. Maybe it's if it's out at a guy's or girl's night or a neighborhood barbecue. There are times you feel so alive, but other times you feel so flat. Or you feel like you're this personality in this situation, but in this personality in a completely different situation. To some degree, we're all like that, right? Even within ourselves, we have this person we want to be and then the person we actually are. And there's this gap between those two realities. There's the me I really, really, really want to be, and then there's me. I want to be more loving and kind and patient, all those marks we talked about, loving God and others more fully. But then there's this dumb person that stands in my way, and that dumb person's me. I'm the one that keeps getting in the way. I know I need grace. I know growth takes time, and I know I need a group of people in my life to support and encourage me. To be more godly, I need to engage with godly people, people that are committed to help one another grow spiritually. This is a group of people that I don't need to perform in front of. This is like hanging out with the person that has seen you at your best and your worst, and they still love you. This is a group of people that you'll get on a Zoom call with without your hair being done or makeup on. These are folks that you can bring your integrated self to. You tell them about the wins and the challenges you're facing in every area of your life, not just the areas that are easy to talk about, but the areas that are deeply impactful. These are the people you give the real answer to when they ask you how you're doing. You don't give them the coy response that you typically say like, I'm fine, which as my friend George Chu says, feelings inside not expressed. Or maybe you say what I do, living the dream. But no, these are friends that you share real answers with. Answers that are uncomfortable. Answers that you would never pose publicly. Things like, yes, we had another fight. It was a rough one. I can't get my kids to focus on their schoolwork. I'm really struggling. I think I'm depressed. I'm not sure if I'm where I should be in life. Do you have those people that you'd call? The things you'd never open up and share on a Sunday morning during a church service? 
Because if we want to do those beautiful one another's with depth that we find in the Bible, we have to work hard at making them a real part of our lives. That's where the depth is. That's where we can feel alone, misunderstood, lost, and confused. Some of my favorite one another's found in the Bible, they should only be shared with people you consider teammates, people that you know have your best interest at heart, and you have theirs. They require trust and vulnerability, and this kind of relationship takes time to develop. It's like layers of intimacy go on over a period of time. And I want to take a few minutes just to unpack three of them with you now. The first one another is encourage one another. To become more godly, engage with godly people consistently and creatively. Look at this verse. It's let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. This verse is a reminder for me to make sure I set regular times to connect with others to encourage and be encouraged. You know what always gets in the way of our best lives? We do. And that's why it takes us thinking up ways to motivate one another. I have this health goal and I've shared it with three guys and we use a shared Google Doc to creatively hold each other accountable. Well, we should be encouraging each other in all kinds of areas of life. It's one thing to hear someone give you a generic encouragement like, hey, go get them. It's quite another for someone to know where you're at, where you wanna be, and the personal barriers you have to get from there to there. When they say, I'm praying for you, or did you think about trying, or how can I help you? It's amazing. And it goes so much further because they actually are encouraging you out of a place where they know how hard your struggle is. And I like the frequency of meeting together because you know how long it takes to lose track of what's really going on in someone's life? You know it's not long. So you have to make it a point to regularly meet together and talk about such things. The next one another is confess to one another. To become more godly, engage with godly people and confess your sins. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is a big hurdle for some people. I mean, typically we want to impress one another, right? Not admit our weaknesses to one another. I mean, when we say what we do wrong, we're actually giving someone ammunition to use against us if they choose to. Well, here's how you to get over that. You just need to do a cannonball approach. Go to Facebook and type in the worst thing you've ever done and just purge it all. Then you can prepare to be held in the warm embrace of a loving online community. Actually, no, don't do that. And there's a reason you wouldn't do that. That's the kind of thing you wouldn't even want to share in this chat form here if you're watching us live. It's an earned trust thing. But here's what you know is true. If you don't share your struggle with someone, it grows. Sin thrives in secrecy. Don't tell someone your struggle and let me know how that ends up. It's not going to go well. Church should actually be the safest place to share your hurts, hang-ups, and habits. We're a collection of messed up people. We all need God's grace and we should encourage each other as we try to be more like Jesus. No one is perfect here. I thought this was an interesting quote from Mother Teresa I read this morning. She says, I don't think there is anyone who needs God's help and grace as much as I do. Sometimes I feel so helpless and weak. I think that is why God uses me, because I cannot depend on my own strength. I rely on Him 24 hours a day. If the day had even more hours, then I would need His help and grace during those as well. You know, could you imagine being in a small group of Mother Teresa and her sharing that vulnerability? Too many times we just think we have to pretend like we have it all together to encourage other people. That we need to impress them with our strengths. But true connection 
it often takes place as we share our vulnerabilities. The last one another I want to highlight is confronting one another. To become more godly, engage with godly people and confront one another. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. To grow in Christ's likeness, we must be willing to share truth with one another. We are masters of self-deception. Not only are we capable of minimizing our negative habits, we also have this ability to grossly exaggerate them and think they're debilitating to us. What we need is someone else in our lives to give us a healthy dose of truth. We need an outside perspective in order to grow. Notice in these verses that Paul is recognizing that we are part of the same body which happens to be Christ. And when we see ourselves as a part of the same body, as a collective whole, it changes the way we communicate truth to one another. We share the truth with one another, not in order to hurt one another, but we do it in order to help one another grow and become more like Jesus. Truth is required to deal with the underlying issues that are preventing us from growing. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I love those three reminders because this kind of community does not happen automatically. It's risky, it's difficult, but I promise you this, the payoff is worth the risk. You can never become on your own what you could become with a few godly people surrounding you. Some teammates that want your ultimate good. To become more godly, you do indeed have to engage with godly people. So how do you know if you're on the right track? Well, there are three calls I want to highlight. First one is, who would you call if tragedy struck? I'm in a group with some guys that have been together for six years, and over the last couple of weeks, they have had some hard problems come the way of the group. One guy lost his dad. Another guy, his son had heart surgery. These guys didn't have to question who they would call when things got hard and when tragedy struck. They sent a text, and immediately they had condolences, resources, and prayers at their disposal. To make that kind of call, these relationships took years to form. The second call is, who would you call if you were tempted to cause a tragedy? You know, do you have someone you would call and talk through a temptation today that if you carried out would cause major harm in your life and perhaps blow it up? Maybe you have a new coworker and you haven't said anything or done anything appropriate, but you've entertained the thought. Again, you haven't done anything, but now's the time to make that call to a friend and tell them about a temptation you're having. Maybe you're about to make a purchase, sign some documents, walk out of a commitment, you haven't done anything yet, but who would you call to share what's going on in the secret places of your mind? And the third thing is, who would you call out? And who would call you out? Have you given anyone permission in your life or have you received permission from someone to call each other out when you're out of character? Does anyone have the ability to say to you, you know, you've been working a lot lately. How's your stress level? Are you taking care of your family priorities? You've been home a lot. Are you doing okay? You really went off in that meeting. You were angry. Can I encourage you at all? Well, friends, these are the kind of relationships we want in life that make us better. But these kind of relationships don't happen by accident. These are very intentional relationships that help us grow spiritually. If you want to be more godly, you need to engage with godly people. So how do you develop these kinds of relationships? That's why as a church, we offer groups. Groups are the gateway drugs to these kind of relationships. Groups provide an opportunity and a chance for you to begin meeting people that you can form these kind of relationships with. 
Each person is on a different path of relationships, and we'd love to help you take a next step. If you shoot us an email at info at experiencecc.org, one of us will reach out to you this week and discuss a group that's right for you. Friends, this is a very, very important part of our faith journey is getting teammates that can run this race with us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to gather today for the service. God, it's challenging to do life alone. And God, I pray that you'll bring the right teammates into our lives to help us become more like you. God, as we take a moment now, would you just bring to mind individuals that we should reach out to to connect, to invite them into a relationship where we care for one another spiritually? If this is a new area of our life, would you give us the courage and the strength just to have an open conversation with you now and to reach out and ask for some help and some guidance? We invite you into this space now, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know Him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.